to look to another coach and be like, how are they doing it? Oh, maybe that's how I should do it. Um, kind of misses the point. Like you might look at my thing and whatever evolution and think, oh, that, that, that works well. Well, it works well for me. And the thing is, and it's, it's evolved and emerged through me being very attentive to what it is that I want for my life and my business and what it is that I find I can best serve my people with. And that's going to be very different for other people. Hello, hello. Welcome once again to this week's episode of the Coaching Life Podcast. My guest today is somebody I greatly admire. When I look back at my notes from our last conversation, the heading in my notes has one simple word. It just says, wow. Because as with uh, any great coach, he reminded me that day of the power of being fully committed to loving service, the power of putting being of service first, ahead of everything else, and certainly ahead of my own thoughts about myself that I was having at the time. Um, He's someone, I see, who lives life with absolute sincerity. Whenever I've talked with him or simply been in the same room as him, it's pretty obvious there's no bullshit he's straight talking there's no fluff whilst at the same time being fiercely loving and it seems that whatever he's up to he's always all in (laughs) always all in in his work his marriage his fatherhood his fitness adventures leadership this this guy is just all in in life and he's also one of only a few a handful really of coaches that I'd consider hiring myself. I think any coach that can really kick your ass and still have you walk away feeling intensely loved is masterful. And that was, that's been my experience of today's guest. So I simply love how he shows up, how he serves, how he lives. So I'm very happy, very honored to have him accept my invite to be a guest on this podcast, not least because I know I'm going to benefit from this conversation as well as anyone who listens. So um, big thank Thank you and warm welcome to you today, John P. Morgan. Hello. Hey, Phil. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. I love listening to you speak just off the cuff and uh, and I'm grateful for what you said. Thank you for, Thank you. for that. Thank you. So um, for anybody that's listening to this who hasn't seen you around and watched your hundreds of fantastic videos, can you tell us a little bit of what got you into this profession and perhaps to the point of... Um, yeah, well, I think we met at a Prosperous Coach event two or three years ago. So I'd love mm. to really hear what, what, what got you to that point. It's interesting as you asked that, because it's one word, magic, um, is what got me into it. And just recently in, in my calendar, I've sectioned off time of, of the day where I create magic, um, whether I'm with a person or I'm an I'm email connecting with people to, to create magic here for either way and, and mag- but magic is the thing that got me here because I was interested in magic tricks um, I was a hobby magician you could say and an entrepreneur but also a hobby magician on the side and I was into that kind of David Blaine and then when I got to the UK I got into Darren Brown and psychological magic and I was 
studying like mad, learning about the mind, how to read people's minds and mind control people and do hypnosis and all these kinds of things. And that led me into learning about how the mind can be used, how the mind can be changed for self-growth and um, being more effective and enjoying life more. And uh, so I ended up stumbling into a course through one of the many courses was people talking about this thing called coaching. And I was like, what's that? People just get paid to help people with their life and stuff. Wow, I could I could do that. And I had, I've kind of informally done it since I, my previous business was um, a web company and I was living nomadically, traveling the world, kind of doing the four-hour work week thing and um, back in the kind of early 2000s. And then so people were already kind of asking for advice anyway. But so coaching was like a chance to turn it into a business and structure. And so I did it part time on the side for two years for my other business. And then um, then I went full time about five years ago. Uh, and it's been an amazing journey. And, I, and I've never done anything this long in my life. <laughs> I've been seven years and um, I've always skipped around. But I and I, I don't have no interest in stopping. I, I love love the work. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. I, I love that you describe it as magic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the, the, you know on that thing. Can I just say too the magic piece? Like David Blaine, whatever you think of him as a as a character, it was fine. But his book, like in his book, he talks about magic, and the reason his first um, series was so successful is because it was the first time that a that the camera was pointed on the spectator instead of the magician. And and his reason for that was because magic isn't something a magician does; it's something that an experience that's created inside the, the person. And, and for me, that's what coaching is too, yeah. right? I'm not the magician. We do something and magic gets created within you. Oh, I love that. So how did you transition? What was it like for you moving from coaching part-time to building it as a, a full-time business? Oh, man, it sucked. <laughs> it was so fucking... Well, sorry, I'm a curse. I have a lot of cursing, but I, it was so painful Oh man, I, I went into debt, credit card debt, living off US credit cards while in the UK. <sighs> I keep thinking the next month this is what it's going to be it. And then, you know, and I just spent all my money and I couldn't afford the rent. And it was then I ended up house sitting for a while. I remember my girlfriend at the time, now wife, you know, she at some point she was threatening leaving me because I just kept saying it was going to work and it wasn't. And I remember that we were house sitting and that we were eating the lentils and the pasta out of the cabinet from the back of the cabinet people were house sitting for because they couldn't afford groceries um and then we ended up moving in with her parents and i was oh man it was just hard it was hard it was hard um but it was also i had so much purpose and i was so i had so much faith around the principles that i uh, were using that largely learned from rich and the prosperous coach and um and and, and i loved the work and so i just knew i was going to make it eventually i just didn't know when so yeah it was tough man it was tough I'm, I'm i'm absolutely intrigued here because yeah that's that sounds pretty tough time and 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 i know there's a lot of a lot of coaches who have been in similar circumstances and had when times have been really tough for me I always maintained this real belief that well one this desire actually that i really want to do this and believe and trust that i can um and I can make it work. So I'm wondering mm. what you were drawing on within you to keep going. Yeah, I, I make a distinction between like faith and having faith and knowing. Like I didn't know that it was going to work because I, for me, knowing is like through like evidence and experience. Yeah. Um, 
And that's where I think confidence comes from. But like in the absence of that, the only thing you can really go on for me is faith. It's like, and that's just a sense in my heart that something is possible that I can't necessarily say why. I could try to, but at the end of the day, it's really going to be a, um, a feeling that you connect with. And, you know, but both things, the work I loved and also the general concept of just if you serve people and you get better and better at it by keep serving people, then people are going to start paying you. And I, I knew at least that function, that, that like principle was true because that's how I'd started my previous two businesses. And so when people are coming out of employment into entrepreneurship for the first time and coaching as well, it can be hard because you don't even have the experience of, of if I just serve people and wake up every day and serve people, then eventually money will come in. Even that is something you have to go on with faith. So I really... I really feel for people that, that are starting off both as a coach and an entrepreneur because it's quite a lead time or they can be quite a lead time. It doesn't have to be, if, you know, but if I'd have a different coach when I first started, I probably would have gotten where I am quicker. But, um, but yeah, it's still, it's tough. It can be tough. Was there, was there a particular breakthrough for you? Everybody wants to know the breakthrough yeah, moment. Yeah, of course, of course. Come magical on. Magical moment. Tell us, tell us what the magic pill is that we can all swallow. Yeah. <laughs> If there was a breakthrough, it was kind of um, just letting go of, uh, it sounds so cliche and stupid, but letting go that there's a breakthrough. It's true. It's because stop, the moment I stopped looking for the next insight that's going to fix everything and just focused on serving, 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 going to the next person, helping people, helping people, helping people. You know, actually, Rich uh, Litvin, who was my coach for a couple of years, was just here at my studio in Santa Monica the other day because um, we have a group that we meet here together as peers. And uh, and I said, Rich, remember this? And I pulled this off my little rolled up um, piece of paper or lo- a large piece of poster board rolled up off my uh, bookshelf. And I unrolled it. And at the top, it said 100 Secret Dreams. And there's a list of 100 names. And that was a project that he gave me when we first met. And it was like – and that was I, – I, my – I said, I'll, just long story short, is seventy the seven, first seventy five people on that list said no to coaching, and like I was just, <laughs> I just remember like I'm going to fill this list no matter what happens. I'm just going to do it, and I think that willingness to just be all in to doing the work, that was the breakthrough. Just being free to know that that it can be that simple. Hmm. What is or what was the work for you? Coaching people, just so it's it's both coaching people, doing coaching, having conversations, and looking at every single conversation and asking, what could I have done better? What didn't work? How did I create them as saying no? You know, what did I miss? But not because oh, if I had done it right, then I would have gotten the yes. But because no, I'm just because I'm honing a craft, I'm honing a skill. I think of myself as an artisan in coaching. You know, I don't have, I've had leveraged businesses before in the past with people working for me and systems and, and I get, and I, all my clients have that, you know, other than my apprentices, like they're all entrepreneurs, they own businesses. And so I get that and I like that, but like right now I'm just so enamored with being an artisan and the craft of, of the coaching conversation. And I'm super focused on that and that's all I have. Um, I don't even know, remember what the question you asked is, but, um, (laughs) That's what that's what's super important to me right now is just doing doing the work and getting better and better at honing my skills, honing my you know, sharpening my tools. Um, yeah. Oh, beautiful. 
What sort of um, packages, what kind of coaching packages, services were you offering and how how has that developed as you developed as a coach? Mm. Yeah, interesting. Um, I'm, I'm, I want to answer. I'm also curious what what more specifically around that is interesting to you. Like what do you really want to know that, that within knowing about all the packages might help? Where does the question come from? <laughs> so I can answer it well. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking to understand whether or in what way coaching, how you see coaching has changed for you and whether that's um, impacted what you offer, how mm. you serve people mm. um, and really what, yeah. you've, what you've learned from that. Because I mean, I've no doubt that your coaching now is much more impactful um, than it than it probably was, you know, even two or three years ago. I'm interested, really, in 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 what what you've learnt. I guess, yeah. So let me rephrase the question: What have you learnt over the last just few years about coaching that has changed the way you coach and um, the kind of services you offer as a coach? Yeah, got it. No, it's a good question, especially now that I, I get what you're yeah. talking about. Is um, I mean, I, I, in a lot of ways, it's the same as when I started. You know, I take on people for one-to-one sessions a few times a month and um, over a period of months, and we're committed for that number of months. And it's varied from, I think, three to six months in the beginning, and now, and then I was like doing six and 12, and now I only do a year, minimum of a year, or sometimes two years contracts and uh and so what's evolved i guess in that sense is that more of a more and more of a uh understanding of the power of commitment over time and the impact that um, we can have when we're committed in a relationship i think getting married to me was a big part of Mm. understanding the power of that too when i married my wife um i really got you know since i've been married i've really gotten a sense of how the structure of marriage that commitment of marriage is a structure that that serves the creation of something um and that it is through commitment that we are more empowered to create at our highest capacity and so for me i look at my uh coaching relationships now much more as the relationship is the thing that creates a lot of the transformation it's our relating to each other um not just this thing that we do in conversation and so I like put a lot of focus and weight in the converse, the, the dialogue about our relationship too, both before and during the coaching. Um, uh, so that's changed. Uh, my fees have gone up and up and up and up and up and and have and probably will continue to forever, um, just because I like to play that game. Um, and also I like that the more people pay, often the more committed they are. Not always, but often. Um, and. Uh, what else has changed? I, you know, I went from one-to-one to groups, uh, to doing groups, uh, like three or four years ago, I guess I started doing small groups, which I totally love. And, and right now, actually, the majority of my, um, work is, is groups. I've got two groups going, another group starting, and they're all six people in them. Um, and, uh, I love that work. And this is small group. So I do coaching in a one-to-one dynamic within the group. Um, and, uh, and so, um, it's kind of the same work, but at least there's a uh, there's other people benefiting from the dialogue I'm having with one person, and then we there's overlap and 
um, I, I put groups of people together based on a similar theme. So I have groups of entrepreneurs, groups of leaders, groups of uh, coaches. And so it's uh, um, there's a, an extra kind of element that's born from that, which I really love. Um, yeah, that's how yeah. things have evolved, I think. So, I mean, I noticed that um, even your apprenticeship program for coaches is group-based. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it any other way. Yeah. So, so why why not? I mean, why do it group well, based? I mean, I guess I would do it the other way. If somebody's <laughs> going to say, "Hey, here's one hundred fifty thousand dollars," of course I do it. But but um, but uh, I I love doing the coaches in a group because there's so much overlap in the context yeah. of what they are doing, and uh, both on the inside and the outside. You know, with my creator syndicate. There's a lot of overlap on the inner work, right? As an entrepreneur, a lot of overlap in the inner work. And there's some overlap in the businesses, but you know, all the people in my creator syndicate are running very different businesses from tech to brick and mortar to like media. And so, um, you know, there's it's great, but, but with the coaches in particular, we, they can talk about like creating clients. They can talk about the coaching work they're doing. They can talk about um, the inner process, the everything. They're on so much of the same journey. And so... Um, I, I think more than any of my groups, that one is um, one of the best uh, as a group because of that reason. Mm-hmm. They, they, so in short, short answer is because it's much more impactful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is much more impactful than just working with me one on one. I think you know. It's, there's a lot of there's yeah there's, there's untold value really in a, in in a group I completely agree with you particularly if you if you have the one on one coaching in there as well which other people then within the group get to witness also yeah yeah and you know as I'm saying that I have, I'm just thinking and reflecting on uh, um, some one to one work that I've done and do like I shouldn't say it's more impactful categorically because there is. There's also the, the fact that when I'm working one-on-one with people, we get to have this like hyper-focus and we go so much deeper on every nook and cranny of their business and their work and what they're doing. So um, there's pros and cons to both, I guess I would say. One little thing that yeah, one thing that was running through my mind is um, what I've observed in sort of coaches that I've spoken to over the last few years is um, this progression if you like of of shifting from having clients pay you on a per session basis to then putting smaller packages together and i think as you said you know might maybe three or six months and and now you're saying yeah it's a minimum of a year and that does seem to be the direction that coaches take if they stay on the path because and I've I've done exactly the same thing, of course, um, because it's really what what I saw. You know, if if when I started out, I, I remember I actually signed my very first client on a package for three a three month package. Actually, physically bumped into her in the street, um, which is a, which is a great a great story. That's to a great prove way that, of creating clients. Yeah, yeah. to prove that Just clients really somebody. are everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could guess your answer to this question, but do you think that kind of progression is necessary? I don't know. I, I don't know. Wait, what's the progression again? From from one to one, or right, from smaller to long, small, longer packages. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. No, I don't think it's necessary because there's some people that do different kinds of work. It depends what kind of work you do. I have a friend who does one-off sessions, and that's it. And um, no, no, I think. And this, so this is an important point that's been in the back of my mind since you asked the previous question. It's still here, and that is that that to look to 
another coach and be like, how are they doing it? Oh, maybe that's how I should do it. Um, kind of misses the point. Like you might look at my thing and whatever evolution and think, oh, that, that, that works well. Well, it works well for me. And the thing is, and it's, it's evolved and emerged through me being very attentive to what it is that I want for my life and my business and what it is that I find I can best serve my people with. And that's going to be very different for other people because their life is different and because um, other people, you know, the way that they work, their impact is a different kind of impact. I say I impact through relationship, but that might not be what other people do. Certainly, isn't my friend Mike doesn't do it that way. He's super powerful. He's like a, a wizard of NLP, and, and the relationship has very little to do with his work. And so it wouldn't make sense for him to take a client on for a year. Um, so, yeah, I think it's different depending on the person. Yeah, beautiful beautiful and i i know <clears throat> we spoke we we mentioned about you know everybody wants to know what the breakthrough is and i think mm. um the i loved what you said the, the breakthrough is in realizing there isn't a breakthrough but certainly for me it's in realizing that it's actually much more about how i want my life and my business to be than than comparing with anybody else yeah and that's an important principle i think of my work and that I share with my apprentices all the time is that I, I actually believe that in the way that I work anyway, it is that is that it's our being that creates most or a lot of the transformation in, in our clients. Um, uh, I say I, I rip Gandhi's uh, kind of famous phrase and just tweak it a bit as I like, be the change you wish to see in your clients. And that doesn't mean just like, you know, eat a healthy diet and your clients eat a healthy diet. I'm talking more about who you be, your state of being in the moment of your dialogue with your clients, um, and and if and it's so in that case, it's my willingness to be an expression of what my heart really wants in the moment. Be my willingness to 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 be vulnerability in the moment of my dialogue with them. Um, to go first in a way of being, and that and then that can transfer in, into them, and then they can have access to that within the context of both our conversation and the content that we're speaking about in that moment, I think it all kind of bleeds together. It's that Marianne Williamson's uh, famous quote, as we are liberated from our own fears, our presence automatically liberates others. Uh, and so I put a lot of my attention on on that um, as part of my work. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Where are clients coming from now for you, John? Um, how, how are they? How are they finding you, or how are you creating them? Mm. Uh, they come through the internet, and they come. I bump into them on the street. Um, no, I, I, I. For me, the biggest ways are when people have an experience of of me some way, uh, and then we end up connecting uh, after that. So I'm not like a very good kind of like go out to a party and just kind of have like a deep conversation with somebody, invite them to a coaching conversation because I'm kind of extroverted and hyperactive and all over the place and talking to loads of people. And so I'm, uh, for me, it works better when I create a context where I'm sharing a specific insight or some ideas and then people can get that there's a depth. And if we were to sit in conversation, that uh, might be useful to them. And so public talks I do um, that, that stir up conversation. Like there's an entrepreneurs group that I'm a member of here in LA 
that I was a member of for a year, and then I, I met a lot of people, made a lot of friends. Then I did a talk, and suddenly I had a dozen people that wanted to come meet with me at my studio, have a conversation. So, um, and so I do YouTube videos, and I write, and I blog. So all these ways are, um, these, oh, these are all avenues for me to express and speak out what I see so that I can um, spark deeper conversation with people. Beautiful. And those conversations are how clients are created. What happens for you then when somebody comes to you and they say, hey, hey, John, I watched your video on this or I was at this talk. Um, I loved what you said. Um, I'd love to talk mm-hmm. to you more. What happens next? Well, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> I don't know. I just ask questions. Or, or if, it, if they hadn't said that, I would say, well, what did you love about the talk? Or what, what, what you know, you said you love the talk. What did you love about it? Um and sometimes people will be like, oh, I don't know, they get flustered and they don't know, I just want to say a compliment. And this is like, well, then tell me about yourself. What do you do? And I just, you know, I'm not interested in talking about me that much and I'm not interested in talking about the concept of talking about things. I'm interested in talking about things. And so I kind of just, I'm always looking to just start right now. Um, so, and, and, yeah. So what, what is it that you, you see or feel that um, do you get to a point where you think, oh, 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 I'd love to love to explore more work, perhaps with this with this guy. Do you do you does that does that happen for you? Yeah, I think so. I, I've, well, it happens to me that I get curious about stuff, and I see, I see, I just see stuff that's that's not aligned in a way or or ordered in a way that can be serving people like paying attention to language and through their language I can hear where uh, I can see people's worlds when they speak right and I can see like where the, the way that they're representing the world and acting with, interacting with the world or themselves is, is creating an obstacle for them and as soon as I start as soon as I see that I get really curious as to how I what magic we can create to like to change that and so I typically just start doing it and um, when I invite them to have a to meet with me at my studio or to have a session with me um, virtually, it's not an invitation to a coaching conversation. It's an invitation to continue doing what we've been doing already right there in that moment, but to do it deeper and inside of a container of, of time. Um, so yeah, I don't really have a um, like a thing that I do beforehand. I just do it. One thing I really get about you is that there's so much um, focus and attention on the the person in front of you. I really got that in in the conversation that we we had. Yeah, because it keeps me um, in in bliss and it keeps me fearless. I say it keeps me fearless because if I'm not in that, then I'm a very afraid guy. Like I have plenty of fear, so for my I, I live, you know I th- I call it black path and white path. I think the black path of fear is is courage, like feel the fear and do it anyway. And, and for me, white path is is fearlessness, which comes which is born through a commitment to to other, to service, to serving something outside of yourself. In that moment, fear doesn't exist, um, and so that's why I've I practiced that, Phil. It's not like it was just innate. I mean, I have like you know, practice that over and over and over and over and over again. And it's, um, I wouldn't say it's, it's the second nature now, but it's much easier to snap into it. Um, but I still have to put some attention on it from time to time. Uh, yeah, it can be created. 
So you you mentioned and you've worked with you said you'd worked with with Rich Litvin for a couple of years. I'm wondering what mm. what kind of client are you? How would you describe yourself as a, as a as a client? <laughs> I'm probably the most annoying client uh, ever. Um, I remember one way it sums it up. Rich emailed me once. He's a guy that has we used to have like when we were a client unlimited uh, email coaching in addition to the calls, right? And I took that literally, and I was emailing him multiple times a day, every day, seven days a week. And then he sent, eventually emailed and said, new rule, you're not allowed to email me anymore. <laughs> a question, unless you also include your answer, which was a bit of a pushback from my over-the-top number of emails, but also it really served me because it helped me to see that like I was reaching out too much to find uh, an answer somewhere else when I could actually create them myself. So um, it was really helpful. But um, I think I'm a great client, actually. If I'm going to toot my horn at anything, I think it's I'm, I'm, I'm good at being coached because I'm great at asking for help and I'm and I, and I actually do the stuff that we talk about in the coaching session, you know. With my, I have a new coach now, and and I've, um, and he's given me assignments, and I've spent an hour a day every day since since I've seen him last, and just sitting with my eyes closed, like doing doing the work, you know, to use the kind of Byron Katie phrase, like in that same sense. And uh, I think that's an important thing. I think that's what makes people. I don't want to say great clients, not about good and bad, but clients that are fun to work with, but also that you can do great work with because not just the coaching conversation, that's half of it. The other half is going out into the world and into your own time and, and actually doing the work. So, um, yeah. Let's perhaps get a little bit more specific and real then. What, what hasn't worked so well for you? Well, initially in the beginning, it was the look like an expert, make a website uh, that's all spit shine and, and fake it till you make it. That didn't work at all. That's that was that was a lot of money and time that didn't work. Um, what else hasn't worked? Well, it's hard to remember. I guess specifically what hasn't, because so much didn't. <laughs> God, every day something doesn't work. Um, I mean, what's not working right now? Let's talk about that. Like I. I emailed the guy at a place that, that I told the entrepreneurs group that I wanted to speak at. I emailed him because I want to speak again, and he didn't get back to me. So now I've emailed everybody that I've had a coaching session with that's from that group and asked them to email him and encourage him to have me speak. I don't know if that's working. Um, I, uh, geez, sometimes I think that I still don't know how to create clients. I, you know, it took me, uh, I coached 40 coaches before my previous apprentice group. Um, 30, four of them didn't become clients six mm -hmm. did and so 34 times i failed to create a client okay yeah some mm -hmm. of them don't, didn't have the money but i still don't choose to pay attention to that really it's like i i, I created them as not having the money somehow um so i, I fail constantly <laughs> man it's like but i, I don't it doesn't matter because i am i'm more in it for the work that i'm doing I have a really simple structure that actually gives me a lot of, um, I don't know, peace around around the way the business works, and that is that I'm going to spend 80 of my, percent of my time in pro bono coaching conversations every year. 80 percent of my coaching time is going to be free, unpaid work, and that's going to be with all different people. So on there, I don't have multiple free conversations with people. I have one, so I'm going to speak to loads of people for free every year. And I'm going to get a couple dozen or a few dozen people that are going to, a couple dozen people that are going to become clients. And that's just how it's going to be. Hundreds and hundreds of hours. And that, that it works. It works that way. 
the universe is like, okay, we get it. You're willing to serve. Here you go. Plop. Yeah. And it's so obvious when to hear you say that, to describe it like that. It's obvious to that 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 would work. You mean? It's obvious that it's that it's that putting in the work gets you results. Yeah, yeah. That apprentice group that I mentioned for coach forty coaches for two hours and and six joined. Well, four of those six were halfway through the program, and they've already paid me for the next program that starts in five months in advance because they don't want to lose their spot. So. In some ways, uh, it didn't work. But in other ways, like I'm not going to even have to do any work to fill the next the next group, and they're a year long. And so, um, it, it goes. I think that also what I'm experiencing now at the stage that I'm at in the business, seven years in, is that um, obviously I'm, I'm improving it, at my work, but also like you start to create a momentum around you of the people that you've served, and people come back, and people stick around, um, and so you have. The, the longer you're in it, the less work you have to do. It reminds me of when I was in real estate. That was my first business. When you first start off and you're selling houses, like everybody that you are buy, helping sell a house or buy a house is like their first time buying or whatever. And then, you know, four or five years go by, you're still in the business and, and they want to sell their house. So that your previous clients come back and become clients again. And then 10, 15 years in, it's like everybody uses you that you've used before. And so you're constantly selling their houses. And so it kind of has that feeling to it as well. Um, not that the same people are always coming back, but you, you build up this, this, this world around you of people that you've served and that know about you and that talk to their, to their friends about you. And it just, it's kind of like a snowball effect. Yeah. Beautiful. Always planting seeds. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, and then cultivating them and then taking the fruit and then taking those seeds and planting more of them in that way too like a cycle yeah beautiful who um john who who's impacted your coaching the most well through the amount sheer amount of time that we spent together i would definitely say rich because yeah. he's really helped me to connect with um that process of service and and also um you know i spent a lot of time with him i was in a couple different programs and a number of years and we're now close friends um, and so he's still, you know, uh, inspiration for me. And, uh, but then I think at a level of depth, I would say heart, Steve Hardison, um, uh, just the few experiences that we've had together now have been, um, deeply, uh, moving and impactful and really helped me to, um, get a sense of how service can be the only thing that you need. Uh, you don't even need to know how to do anything as long as you know, you when you're fully coming from service and the how works itself out. So um, that's been, that was really, that helped me to take everything that I learned from Rich and, and just and deepen it and ground it in a way that's like, that's really had a huge impact on my business. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I can list lots of names. Um, John Wineland have done some really, really deep work with not around necessarily coaching, but around personal work. And that's kind of opened me up to, just more depth inside myself as far as uh, a kind of spiritual and, and emotional psychological growth and, and I'm very much still on a path there and um, yeah those would be the, the top three guys I guess um, can, can you tell us a bit more then really about your 
your personal exploration you mentioned the work like with with john wineland mm. um it, you yeah. know it'd, it'd be easy for people to to listen to this and 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 just solely focus on being of service without mm. doing the inner work yeah yeah i can talk about that and i can talk um about why it's so important for me um Steve Hardison said to me some years ago, the most important work you ever do will happen within the four walls of your own home. Hmm. And that like, kind of shook the earth. It was like when, when I heard that, just for me, it was so true. Um, and, and for a number of years, I had that mean very straightforward. Like the thing that I value most and that I care most about when I die is, the, is my family. And so let me put my attention primarily on that. And, I, and that's still what I interpreted to mean, but I've actually found it to mean so much more than that now. Because now I look at it as what I create within the four walls of my home, within my family, it actually is the foundation of everything that I create in the world. Not just because I have them as a reason to have success out in the world for, but again, going back to being, who I am able to be in the context of my immediate family when my son is screaming and, I'm, and I haven't slept, when my wife uh, is, is at me for something like how I can show up in that moment like every, anybody that's in a relationship knows like it's our relationship that tests us the most that have us look like face our shadow and and that's where I'm most at my edge and so if I can grow in that domain then I show up in the rest of the world much more able um, to to serve from a place of being and so I hold that as super important and anytime I'm wondering what do I need to grow I'll just look how, how have I been with my wife for the past week and and the work with um with Wineland is is um, I'm in a program with them now. I'm in a group with them as well, and um, and that work is really it's about relationship, and it's about you know the most intimate relationship. That's like the that's the crucible of, of human growth, I would say, and and I'm facing stuff that I didn't even know was there. Uh, you know, like there's anger stuff that I have that's that I've kept so beneath the surface, and because I was a, I've learned how to like just not express it my whole life and mm. and you know but it's there and and it and it changes me uh it, it comes out sideways um like it leaks out as complaining about things or whining about stuff um or and and now i'm really aware of it because i could talk about being sleep deprived with my new baby he's 10 months old and there's a lot of tension and stuff in the house and and it's coming out and i've shouted a few times in the house and it's and it's scared me it scared my wife and it's like what is going on here and so you know it's i'm i'm dealing with some really challenging stuff and and then and trying to where is this coming from like what happened in my childhood and so i'm learning about um uh, a lot of deeper deeper work stuff and doing some Jungian work um looking into some kind of uh, um, energy courses like core energetics and um i've talked, looked looking at the hoffman process and this is my year really to to go really deep around that stuff and get that handled for the obvious reasons right but also for the deeper reasons and, and as a um um and as a reason to improve my my work as a coach too mm. yeah so important yeah thank mm. you thank you sure yeah it's, it's just so inspirational hearing you hearing you talk john it really is thank you Phil. Hmm. I love to ask this whenever somebody says that. I try to slow down and really receive yeah. that first to say thank you. Um, but I'm also curious when people ask, because I have a thing I really believe in, <laughs> what, what is it? 
what specifically is inspiring for you? Oh, it's this commitment to, well, your commitment to service just, just runs through being of service. But it's mm. your commitment to um, being the best you. Mm. Being the best you. you. It just really, really feel that. It's, it's, mm. it's amazing. It's amazing. Thank you. So I ask because um, one of my YouTube videos may have seen is that you are what you admire. And the mm. same way that when we project our shit and fear on other people, it's like that's our stuff. It, it's a, I think inspiration is projection too. And I think it's a projection of our, our deepest values and our, and our deepest knowing of our capacity. And so I ask specifically what inspires you because my, my reflection back to you would be that that those things that you just marked out, like that commitment to, to service and commitment to being your best, that level of commitment that you see me that you find inspiring is, is inspiring because that is your capacity mm-hmm. and it is actually your deepest value. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. So a couple more questions. If you weren't coaching, what might you be doing, do you think? Mm. <laughs> well, I, I, the, fr- I have to, the first thing that came to mind is that I'd, just be, I'd be off on my own traveling the world somewhere. I did that for years before coaching, and maybe part of me longs to be back to it, but uh, I wouldn't want to be without my son and my wife. So mm. um, if I wasn't coaching, what would I be doing? Well, I'd probably be doing this new project that I'm in the, that I'm, that I'm in the beginning of, which is um, – I guess it's kind of still coaching if this is a cheat. I don't know, let me know. But like <laughs> facilitating councils of, of leaders and developing new leaders for the, for the world. I'm, I'm very interested in the social political conversation. I was very active uh, in student government when I was younger. Then I got like deep into conspiracy theories and turned myself off from it for like over a decade. But the last couple of years I've tuned back in and, and it's just like firing me up. And I have so much to say and so many questions to ask and – um, from coming from a slightly different place now, I think too, and and I think I'd be some somewhere in the social political conversation in the world, um, in in a leadership role or a facilitating role, um, if I wasn't coaching. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I do. I do see your desire to want to make the world a, a better place too. We've spoken about your commitment to being of service and your commitment to being the best you. I, I, I see that in some of the things you, 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 you speak about and that you explore and the questions mm. you ask. Yeah. Yeah, that's su- super important to me. I mean, I have a very, very clear and overt agenda with my coaching and it's to create a more united and loving world, um, connected world and, and to bring people together more. And everybody that I work with knows that, that, you know, in in some ways they are the purpose of my work, but in other ways they're just the means for for something bigger than both of us. So, well, you've just bummed. You've just bummed my final question. Okay, what's that? <laughs> which, which was, you know, for you, what is the purpose of coaching? Mm. Yeah. Well, the purpose of coaching is different from person to person, I think. But for me, it is um, it's both the individual being self-expressed and in a way that's completely and honestly true for them and and self-sacrificing in a way that is like being both you know authentically themselves and and vulnerably themselves um because they can get more fulfillment and they could be more empowered as a creator i love that part 
not just fulfillment, but like actually being able to create stuff in the world. That's why I work with entrepreneurs and stuff because I like having stuff happen in the actual world. And then there is um, the bigger picture. It's like the ripple effect, right? What what world do we create through your creations and through who you be? Hmm. And I'm super interested in being the change I wish to see in the world and creating the change in, in the clients that I work with that I wish to see in the world and, and having them create things in the world that are resonant with that as well and that will create a more beautiful world. And so um, I'm always looking to to impact people in ways that have them impact people in ways that I would love to see happen. I, I want to see the work that we do ripple out from people, yeah. not just yeah. be for them. Yeah, beautiful. Well, and I can tell you that, that there's ripples just from that conversation that we had, I think, a couple of years ago, 18 months or so ago. Um, and mm. from from the number of conversations you're, you're having, there's there's a lot of ripples there. So thank you. Thank you, mm. John, for, for all, thank you, all that you do. Um, and I want to honor your time and, and our listeners' time and, and, and wrap it up there. But um, how, how can people find you, follow you and, and make contact with you? Yeah, jpmorganjr.com, jpmorganjr.com. And uh, that is also my YouTube, my Facebook, my Twitter, everything, jpmorganjr. You can find me everywhere that way. Cool. Thank you so much, John. This is one that I know I'm going to be listening to personally as well uh, um, a couple of times myself that you know you couldn't see me but there's a few several times here I've got the biggest grin on my face I'm just thinking whoa yeah absolute gold absolute gold um, so thank you very much awesome, indeed Phil well thank you so okay. much thanks John alright much love well how do you summarise a conversation like that with John there's so much in what he shared not just his words but how he is who he is um, his dedication to service to being his best his commitment to his own growth and development that really came through in this conversation his intensely focused curiosity i think there's such a lot that coaches can take away from this conversation that will be of use and of course, as John pointed out, comparing isn't as helpful or as powerful as being willing to simply go out there and test, to experiment and be willing to fail. I loved how he talked at some length about all of his failures. He's failing all the time. I'll often share with people that my willingness to fail is the backbone, really, of, of any success. So I think any summary of this conversation can only scratch the surface and I'd love to hear what you think and what you've got from this episode. And of course, if you've enjoyed this one or any of the others, it will help other coaches find this podcast if you head on over to iTunes and leave a brief, honest review there. It will take you less than a minute, but it's so helpful in getting this podcast to others. I'm really excited about all the upcoming guests. I've got a good few already scheduled in the diary over the coming weeks. Um, so keep listening. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I am recording. And of course, go out there and have some fun. As always, I wish you much love and joy. <laughs>